We are social animals. Even when we actually willfully refuse any social commitment, the group in itself still has a social position, exists with or without our own personal adherence. Within a group, social interactions depend greatly, of course, on the size of the proximity of the individuals, their goal. In a word, a lot of what makes up actually the rules and regulations within a group are cultural. That is undeniable. But one of the core elements when we define a group is proximity, either blood proximity, like a family, shared history, proximity by the shared souvenirs, the shared memories, like the friends, a shared interest, like, for example, business relations or acquaintances, or simply regional position, geographical position, like a region like Paris or West Flanders, or a nation, France, Belgium, Singapore, you name it. We can define, and we do define, groups by the occurrence through which they came to exist. Some groups can seem very circumstantial, like families, for example. Other groups are created. They come by opportunity, by choice, such as, for example, friends, such as, for example, social media. These groups overlap. They exist, all of them, through a shared felt interest, shared duty sometimes, but they are nearly infinite reasons to actually create groups. And we do that continuously. We belong to as many groups as there are probably seconds in a day. The nature of groups is endlessly varied, but they all operate more or less in the same way. And certainly they all felt, they all face the same challenges. What is the most common dimension is that people, the individuals, the components, will try to interact and make the group work. That is one of the core elements. People and individuals interact to propel the group into a certain direction to achieve a certain goal. This can be, for example, entertainment. This can be also emotional support, emotional refuge for some. Basically, a group is a system of systems. A group is a system of individual systems coming together. So like an individual, yes, we can define a gravity center to a group. It is its very purpose of existence. Why does a group exist? Within each group, you will always find a defined role. It may be unconscious, it may be basically explained, it can be stated, it can be written, it can be formalized, or it can be simply understood. Every single group has a common point, a common project, or a common intention. This is in itself the main difference between this entity we call group and an individual which is a group as a point, the group as a direction, as a purpose. This is an enormous advantage when it comes to finding a balance because the group in and by itself knows why it is there, why it exists. As individuals, that's more difficult to define, obviously. So the group will try and balance intentionally its own system to achieve that particular goal. The group has as a target to reach a gravitational balance. It can only work if, of course, its purpose and direction is crystal clear 
And if every single individual within the group share that system, share that opinion, share that purpose, that intention, if and when the group reaches a point where its shared goal does not exist anymore, there is simply no point at all to the group and it reverts to being a collection of individuals. Again, if we accept that this group is not immanent, that a group is a willful construction towards a certain goal, then we've got four types of relationships now between individuals and the group. We've got me and them, where we actually differentiate ourselves from others. This is the first stage. I look at the group. Then there is me and us. That is, I want to transcend my own individuality to create a new working entity, for example, in a couple. Then there is me and we, which is different from me and us, because then we belong to a group without the purpose to actually change or transform or create a new entity out of your individual system. And finally, it is we as a group versus them as another group. These four stages, these four types of relationship will come actually to define our relationship to the group. Let's start where it all starts. Me versus them. Actually, this is not being particularly confrontational. This is simply the obvious that is, that we start with ourselves, our own senses, looking at our environment and trying to define what makes us versus what makes them. Our harmony will always start and self-centered entirely. The other is external to our thoughts. This in other, this group, this them, we perceive through limited senses and hence a whole series of code is developed whether it be in motion, shaking hands, waving, or sounds, what we say, how we say it, the vocabulary we use to actually define ourselves and immediately send signal to the group that we belong with or that we would like to, and so on and so forth. So whenever individuals come up in a group, even if they are super cold dudes and dudettes, there is always the matter of norms and rules, of codes. So the first question is, why would I make so much effort to actually join a group. And the easiest solution to find balance would seem immediately to actually stay entirely out of any group so that our own balance, which has been achieved already with tremendous effort, remains totally innocuous to the potential disruption brought in by the group. We would like to avoid interference and enjoy the serenity of our own gravity system. And after all, as we already shared in the previous article, if I think about hermits or anchorites or fakirs or monks, whatever, this is possible. This is a solution which has been chosen by many. However, isn't isolation, by definition, simply denying life, refusing life? So if in order to make life easier, we deny life, this makes, to me, not much sense. But the second question is, does it make living worthwhile at all? That's personal tastes, obviously. But for me, there is, at the core of it, already an illogism which seems striking. So let's say that we want to define a group. And how 
Will it affect our own harmonics? How will it affect our own gravitational system? Now that we have decided that somehow we would like to join a group, any group. Well, we enter a group with a shared aspiration for balance. That's, that's the first. We share this wish for balance, order, harmony, whatever you want to call it. And from the off, if we enter a group, this is because we do expect that this will work out. We expect that we will contribute to the success of the group in its stated goal. And our in own individual harmonies, per definition, will never be the group's harmonies. And even if the group is led by an individual, we know that the balance, the overall orbits, the overall gravitational systems of the individuals will not be the ones of the group. They simply can't be. But what we do is we share with the group a fundamental goal, a fundamental purpose. If there is no common goal, there is no group. There is a collection of individuals who met up. That's it. That's all. So, as gregarious animals, we want a us. We want a we. And hence, we are trying to build it. This is actually genetically encoded in us. This is the link between us and this collective entity. Families are probably the primary example of how a balanced system can be created and sustained. It is obviously one of the most organic of all groups. This is the first group actually we meet. Our relations to this family group are defined by basically knowing, anticipating, but also accepting the different orbital cycles within that particular group, if you think about it. Family in itself is obviously the most coded group. It is not only a biological re a relationship, this is not simply a blood relationship, it is also a social, it is also a cultural construct. Actually, within the family, we add, we create continuously codes and rules. These are created to make actually a certain exclusivity exist. The family rules define actually our family specificity, how we want it to be defined. Many of these rules and codes are created simply to try and reach a certain balance, to actually establish a certain gravitational system. Think about sequences, think about uh, agenda, think about occasions, for example. This balance, however, like for an individual, continuously shifts, continuously adjusts, continuously adapts. The codes themselves are continuously updated, continuously upgraded. This happens when new members join, but also when new memories are created, when good or bad events happen. Within the family, for the individual, these are the layered spins of conflicts and peace, of harmony and disharmony, which are the very essence of the family existence, actually. Think about it. Why else would people love hate, for example, Christmas dinners or year-end celebrations? Actually, to take a very famous example, shoehorning balance in a family will simply not work. It will break, actually, the family. You can try and hardcore family rules to actually artificially define what you call balance. This is actually essentially what you would call playing happy family. You freeze the system at a point or in a state 
or at a moment in time where people, members of the family, think, oh, that's when we want this family to live forever. What does it mean practically? This is a loss of momentum. We mechanically throw off the system and break its dynamic balance. We actually basically destroy the system, the group, the family, by a paralysis. Hence, playing happy family may not be trying to be a family. It's trying to create something else, actually, than to let life happen, to let the movement, the dynamics happen. We will only ever share some of our own overlapping cycles with a group. We never share our entire system, not in the family, not in a wider group. In whichever of these, we actually put on the table some elements of what makes us, some elements of our balance, never our entire system, because it simply can't. This is not the point of the group. The group has its own dynamics. We've got our own. This is why every group will have codes, rules, and as well some shades, some unknowns. We naturally feel that sharing has its own limits. If we don't share nothing, if we share too little, if we do not share enough with a group, well, there is no point simply to the group. But on the other end, if we share too much, then the system cannot work either. There are just sparks flying around continuously as we try to impose our own systems. So it creates nice fireworks, but not much more. Hence, we see that on both extremes of this overlapping spectrum between me and the group, me and them, there are no fusion possible. They are just limits which we naturally sense. So we are genetically programmed to actually try and create a couple, what is called something more. What we try to achieve there in this me versus them, the group relationship, is to create an equation which would sound something like me plus you equals more than the sum of the parts. This is a relationship where we try to build something more, something else. I'm not talking only about kids, I'm talking about the lifestyle, I'm talking about experience, about memories. The differentiation and the specificity here is that for this to occur, for this to happen, we are generally ready to give much more to make this equation, this complex equation, me plus you equals more, to make it work. So, continuing on our theme of balance, basically we can define a couple, a partnership as two gravitational systems meeting, then living in extremely close contact. This is emotional, this is physical, this is intellectual, and this is extremely difficult to make succeed. So depending on how fusional we actually want to be, we can define it very simply as two overlapping gravitational systems meeting. The complexity of this in itself explains why it is so difficult to keep two gravitational systems together. This is physics. Both systems, as we saw, will coexist at any single point of time, but they can never merge, nor can they be limited, because it's difficult to add me plus you if it is only a part of me and a part of you to create something more, right? So it can't be merged, 
And it can't be limited at the same time. This is why it is so difficult. Because fundamentally, the question here is not within or not there is space, as is often defined, but whether or not the phases not only coincide, but we can actually, as individuals, recognize the different systems, the different phases, sequence, or even timelines within the system of our partner. This is a question of not only fixing together and building some kind of Lego system, some kind of orrery, it is really understanding the different phases, the different cycles which we are living with. Both individuals, both partners in a couple have to accept that the other has a unique gravity system which will always, and per definition, be totally different. Both gravity centers can come together, but they can never merge. They can actually never touch, else you would have something which in physics is called cavitation. So what we try to achieve there is to, make, to share as much as possible the systems, our orreries, our galaxies, our gravity systems, and at the same time accept that many of these movements will overlap all the time, but at the same time, not every single one of these systems can actually be part of that construction. So when we define actually a couple, we do put everything on the table. There is not much point else. And frankly speaking, if we don't volunteer all on the table, where at some point the partner will find, but also sharing which phases, what are the different timelines, what are the different sequences in which we live. Together, we hence can achieve this. It can be children, again, or it can be a social life, it can be a lifestyle project. But we need to be able to share resources, inputs, as much as movements, dynamics. The stakes in this are the highest. And hence, if I want to analyze groups with a much more neutral outlook, I have to take one step back. I have to basically compare this me and us extremely specific genetically driven partnership and make it a wider one, which is me and we as a group. So let's go a little bit wider and define a group in general without the specificity of me and us. We are at the me and we definition stage. The question is indeed extremely different. What we try to achieve here is not me plus you equals something more. What we try to achieve is me plus you, the group, because we want to achieve something in common. We want to do something together. We share a common goal. It can be entertainment, it can be hobby, it can be social recognition, because it's important for me to belong to that group, to be seen as part of that group. It can be simply golf. It can be simply to have a good time. So as you can see, there are extremely different gradation of interest in joining that particular group, that external group. The point, however, is relatively straightforward. This is because we want to achieve something together. Either I'm going to receive this or I'm going to receive that, but it is important that I understand that I do expect something from the group and the group as well must understand that something is expected from the interaction of the different individuals within the group. In essence, what we try to achieve here is to define how much we can remain ourselves while reaching the group's goal, we have to define how deep we want to be involved or on the contrary, how removed we've got to stay to keep our own integrity. Again, if we dissolve ourselves within a non 
individual system, there is not much point. Our own gravity center, our own orrery, is defined not only by the different cycles, the different dimensions which we have identified, but also by the different phases at which they stand. In a group, we are not only confronted with our own gravitations, with our own rotations, with our own timelines, with our own phases, we are putting together ideas, we are putting together on the table dimensions which may very well be in different phases at different moments. So, I have to decide at some point the degree to which I will accept the impact of the momentums of the different systems within the group, of the different dimensions within the group. Again, we can share the common goal, but we may not be at the same time, at the same point, at the same phase. Hence, we've got to define precisely how much of an external interference with our own system we are ready to accept. So a lot of that comes from my personal circumstances, but I wanted to share with you a little bit very practical examples, actually real life um, examples of how I pictured many groups which I had to join during my current life. Most of my life, actually, I did join radically different groups regularly and continuously. That is, groups who had no overlap or nothing in common with groups I already belonged to. So this happened, for example, in the military. My family was not part of the military. This happened in the many countries I lived in. I joined in the different departments, the different company entities, or the new cultures I simply joined. So the me had to enter many we's. And sometimes a lot of new groups at the very same time, for example, when I changed countries. In none of these instances did I want, did I need, or did I have to be subdued in these groups? Indeed, if I enter a new group and I don't bring nothing, it is very likely the group will simply not accept me or does not, will not see at all the reason why I should be entering the group. Hence, every time I entered new groups, new we, I did not want to lose neither my identity nor the momentum of my own personal harmony. So some examples and what I had to do to actually make it work because the group makes an effort I have also to adjust, to adapt. Most of the groups I ever joined are or were high stakes group. There was a, a tremendous idea, a tremendous project behind it. So both for me or for the group, this was not simply a neutral decision. It was for me, sometimes my salary, my future, my career, my family even, that would depend on my correct integration within the new we, the new group. Hence, I always use the following. I ranked the primary goal of the group. There is always one primary goal of a group and the secondary goals. These are infinite, or at least they are plural, there are several. But like an individual, I think that every group has got a natural gravitation system with a common goal and subsystems, sub-targets. It is a spinning system. And first of all, I was always, and I will always try to understand what momentum drives it and what I'm expected to share on what dimension. 
this because hence it will impact my own. I joined groups. I dropped after one or two meetings. Why? Because it was false flag groups. We met for a stated point. We grouped up for a stated project and it happened that the target of the group was radically different and all the members were very okay with that very different target. Nevertheless, it was not why I joined the group in the first time. So, for example, a group target can be as basic as playing golf every Saturday morning because you do really enjoy playing golf or it's because playing golf with this one and that one actually leads up to be recognized as part of that particular group, that particular elite in this sense, as golf is rarely just a neutral sport. So groups indeed are defined by social markings. They can be sports, they can be hobbies, they can be entrepreneurial groups where you need to actually get and understand who are the investors and what you, you could actually get from them. Most, if not all, of these groups have direct and indirect goals, primary and secondary goals. Some of them are sometimes conscious, some of the times they are unconscious, but this is not up to you to restate the group's goal. It's up to you to understand how these groups actually operate. All of them have got one primary purpose, and the important thing is to understand and accept that primary purpose and the probable impact it will have on your own momentum. Joining, leaving, interacting, this is continuously using, continuously merging your own dimensions, your own movements, your own orbits, and the group. This does not mean, again, to merge. This does not mean to subsume yourself within the group. Why else would you join as an individual if this is to not be part of that movement, to not be part of that gravity movement? That is a reciprocal decision. The group sees added value in getting you in getting you in its own orbits as much as you see an value in joining that particular group. As long as everybody's clear on that, there is no problem. So adapting to a group, entering a group, being recognized by a group is always a question of gradation. To put it in a different way, the question is how much, how many orbits do you want and will you share with the group and how many orbits does the group expect you to share with it? Well, basically, an example I can take is expats. A classical question is when you ask expats about what is the level of adaptation to their new environment, to their new country, whether it be Singapore, whether it be China, India, Belgium, France, Germany, or the US, you will get two types of answers. Either the people will tell you that they have gone totally natives, that they are swimming in the local culture, that basically they eat, they breathe, they speak the new country. They have got, in their own words, gone native. Or on the contrary, and generally they won't tell you directly, but you will observe that, on the contrary, others will live entirely in an expat bubble. Either because they will be part of that club, or because they will live in that area, or in that particular compound. Actually, neither of them is entirely native or on the contrary living in a bubble. Both of them will have interactions with local groups, with regional groups, because simply physically neither is possible. You cannot suddenly become a local and you cannot 
remain forever in an expand bubble. It's simply not possible. So none of this is literally true, but what is interesting is this is the way they perceive themselves. This is the way the individual actually positions itself towards you with this relation with the local group. They see themselves as totally submerged in a group or totally independent from it. And this is extremely interesting because this is simply the level of share, the level of adaptation which they are ready to have with the local culture. In essence, this is the level of orbit, the number of orbits, the phases you are ready to share with your group environment. Actually analyzing, observing the cultural interactions and how different cultures solve these different harmonics is not only crucial for your success in jo joining a group, but also the most rewarding of experience, in my opinion. I think that this brings out the most demanding questions, the most demanding analysis, but this is not for me the question of how exotic the new uh, adaptation will be, how exotic the solution is. Basically, the question for me is not to try and define, oh, so this is how they do it, this is how they define their own harmonics. For me, the question is really to plop out a solution, an answer on how that particular culture has solved that particular trajectory of that particular orbit, which we all share, which we all have in common. Understanding and actually adapting to these new rules makes for more global solutions. But the idea is that you will select a few of your own orbits and inject them into the new group to bring new solutions, to bring new adaptations, to bring new ideas within this group, that particular topic. Basically, this is for me the true cultural enrichment. That is to understand the different orbits, the different dynamics within the cultural groups you are joining, planking out the core elements, the few dimensions which will contribute to your own personal harmony, but as well in exchange, give back a couple of balances, a couple of harmonics, which will enrich the group. Basically, you take momentums and sparks from other systems to reignite your own, but in exchange, you do contribute to these phases, you do contribute to these gratificational systems in exchange. So now we have our groups. We've got the we, we've got the us, we've got them. But groups are essentially entities and by themselves. So they do interact with each other. How will this yet again impact my own balance? after me and them, after me and us, after me and we, it is time to define the relationship between we and them. Groups, however, coexist with other groups. They actually even intersect. They do actually overlap. Some actually may even never meet each other. That's a fact. However, within these groups, when you belong to them, you are their only common point. They are group-on-group -group dynamics. These are the groups I identify with. They are the groups which I define as we. We standing in contrast to them. 
Again, them being other groups I don't identify, I don't belong to. These groups are essentially entities by and for themselves. They are defin defined as well by practices from individuals. And they, these groups, like individuals, are vying for attention and time within your own spheres. Hence, to maintain your own harmonics, hence to maintain your own balance, it is critical to understand actually how these different groups interact with each other and how and how much we are ready to share with them while keeping our own harmonics. Let's take a simple example. You are part of that particular subreddit. You are part of that particular group. And actually, that particular group thinks that it's better than my particular group. But guess what? I do think that mine is best. So this goes from some forums or some forums or some family group or whatever and goes up and into gang walls. Without thinking about such an extreme, any group will hence define itself not only by its shared purpose, but by differentiation with other groups whenever they share similar purposes. Again, think about Hispano gangs versus black gangs versus white gangs. This, however, cannot or should not actually supersede the underlying rule of the group, which is the shared purpose, the shared goal. Whether it be implicit or explicit, differentiation cannot be the only glue of the group. It does happen that it is that, that is, I'm part of that group because I'm not part of that other group. Hence, identity is a momentum, but can't be the only momentum within a group for me. That needs to be factored into the system to ensure that our own harmonics are definitely in check. Again, imagine joining a group which can only define itself by opposition to another group. The idea of the self-enrichment, of the cross-enrichment, is very, very fast lost. This, however, does exist. And hence, these groups tend to have no steam left or very few momentum left. Hence the question from a personal sanity, a personal balance point of view, is that you check within the group the dynamics, the change, and hence you arrive quite naturally to the idea that if you want your harmony to be maintained, you've got to ensure that you understand Yet again, the gravitational system of harmony and disharmony within the group and that it does share a common purpose. Defining by negativity or defining by exclusivity, per definition, cannot bring a system in balance and on the contrary, can only freeze it into some kind of slow paralysis and slow death. The group balance is to be as much part of the group as it has to be for the individual balance. It is a key decision for me to feel balanced that we understand that the dynamics of the groups we join or that the groups we are part of are actually moving forward. It goes without saying that I'm extremely conscious that my views on groups, on personal harmonics and groups, is heavily influenced by my own personal experience. But let's be honest here, I've seen it playing out again and again and again, so it has actually become a law to me. I've lived actually more than half of my life abroad. What does it mean? Well, practically speaking, 
This means that I've lived outside of many established social systems. I've crossed, I've met with groups which exist for the best part of the lifetime of their members, whereas on the contrary, I was some kind of mayfly coming in and out faster than the group could turn around. So basically reaching out to other groups is a basic event within my life. The point here is neither to know or on the contrary to ignore the group, of the, uh, the culture of the group. Think about this, I'm gone native or I'm living in an in a, in a exclusive compound. This is neither true. The point is to break down the experience in small digestible portions. Understand the momentum of that particular society, that particular group. Be aware of the tensions, be aware of the movement, be aware of the phases. Put on the table that part of yourself that you know will be used by others to reignite or propel their own gravitational systems. Take that spark back into your own harmonics and then you will create a we, we will create a me and a we as an exchange that does goes both ways and actually improves your own harmonics. This is why for me, actually meeting up with this group is often a very positive event. There is always a possibility, as we saw in the we and them, that you will have a big question around exclusivity of belonging to a group. You will have a lot of groups which are created as negatives to differentiate yourself from them, from the other ones. Again, check out why this group exists in the first place. Whether it is a party group, whether it is a wine connoisseur group or museums aficionados, as long as the group's purpose remains true to itself, not a problem. And here the question will be simply to pick and choose which individual systems you want to share. But when there is no common goal, when there is only circumstance or exclusion, the groups cannot last. Or at least the group cannot bring you the harmonics you need. Finally, taking me and us, when we try to create something more than the sum of the part of the group, then we set out to create new orbits within our, our own system to basically merge the uh, two gravitational systems without destroying each other. This is not only about creating and sharing ideas, this is about sharing momentums, sharing searches, and not necessarily explicitly, but at least knowingly, that is, stating from the start that you are on a search, you are on a common project. And hence, this is how, for me, you can streamline your individual harmonics within a shared horary.